here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the podcast known as the Other Kind Radio or Talk Radio. Today is July 28th and this is episode 94. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver to you, the kind listener. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd will be on shortly. We encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe to The Other Kind Radio. By doing so, you're helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. Speaking of being in gravitational pulls, um, this is going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge of a episode today. Sorry, my iPad decided to just start talking. Um, so, So bear with us. All right, um, we're gonna have some fun. We have a lot to go through today, and a little bit of a format change for those kind listeners that may be uh, taking notes. Um, this episode of the Other Kind Radio is brought to you by you guessed it, Pub One Three Four. Pub One Three Four is located in Maple Village at 90th and Maple, right here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's on the northeast corner of 90th and Maple. Inside that wonderful location, you've got Nick, Joyce, Patrick, Julius, and Mackenzie there to help take care of you. I was recently invited and played in a safe uh, version of bags. I called it sandbags. It's basically where you throw bags back and forth and try to get in a small hole. Uh, insert blue material there. And uh, was treated very nicely by the staff and all the other members of the uh, the uh, Pub 134 Bags League. Um, I know that there's some teams still looking for players. And uh, so I invite you to, to go down there, talk to Nick, and uh, maybe they can get you uh, squared away as far as joining the Bags League. I forgot I don't have my... Uh, there we go. My glasses, my broadcast, my broadcast glasses on. Uh, Pub 134 has uh, drink specials, and don't forget, Pub 134 can get you packaged beer to go. So if you just want to swing by, pick up some beer, go home, they can be your source too. Pub 134, check them out, send them the other kind of radio, sent you, and maybe Nick will give you a discount on a drink or something like that. Pub 134. All right, this week on the other kind of radio, I'm going to try and get through this as... as um, correctly as cleanly as possible but also as quickly uh this week on the other kind radio we have headlines todd's take on is a uh hbo um hbo show called i'll be gone in the dark jeff's judgment xbox had their release event this past week i watched it and have some feedback for you uh a center stage uh <laughs> we realized we visited this uh, uh close to 30 days ago but it's so good we're going to revisit it we're going to talk a little bit about perry mason but this is going to be a bit of a hodgepodge we're going to jump around there and uh, we also have a uh, response from beaker from last week he emailed us back i want to kind of go over that um also want to take this opportunity sorry i had to find my place uh to remind everybody 
that currently the 2020 Podcast Awards are accepting nominations for 2020 Podcast Awards. Well written, Jeff. That right there should put us on the nomination. So here's what I need you to do, kind of listener. I need you to go to www.podcastawards.com. Podcastawards.com. Step one, register. Does it cost anything? No. Do they inundate the email address that you register with with a ton of email? No. So you, the website is slow, but go in, register. Once you register, you'll see a page and everybody watching on Twitch right now is laughing at me, uh, of all the nominations. We are listed in two areas. One, the podcast of 2020, um, which you're more than welcome to nominate us for. Uh, but more, uh, more focused uh, is under film and television. You click that, drop-down menu opens, and you'll see the other kind of radio. Now, what you're doing is voting to put us on the final list of podcasts up for awards in 2020 it's a tongue twister folks all right so register go in if you feel necessary nominate the other kind radio step three i left blank get yourself some coffee take five minutes to contemplate that you've done something for the uh universe and uh we appreciate it 2020 podcast awards nominations and july 31st which is coming up and then we'll see if we can uh, make it in to this year's card just making it on the card would be a great uh opportunity for us also want to remind everybody now that we are broadcasting live on twitch if you want to watch the other kind radio past episodes or this one um, go to twitch.tv forward slash hectos, H-E-C-T-O-S, H-E-C-T-O-S on Twitch to watch the show live. Um, I realized that, that a lot of you have kind of been not notified when we're going live. And in the uh, industry, we would call this a, um, a test run. We're being uh, kind of careful. Speaking of which, I did get some feedback from um, Nick and Patrick that our video window on Twitch was too small. I was putting too much focus on the fact that it was a record or a tape cassette playing and they berated me gently. And so this week you'll notice that um, the record and tape are gone and Todd and I are being projected on a drive-in movie theater, which is kind of pop culturist right now. There you go, Todd's waving. And I've increased the size of our faces. Now Todd, <clears throat> chokes me up to say this Todd Todd is a handsome guy he's good looking so just focus on the left side of the screen the right side all you got to do is take one of those little yellow sticky notes right there on your screen and you don't have to look at this whatever happened when that got made <laughs> all right let's let's uh, enough of that let's get the uh, real talent on the show here he is my podcast partner he is also a family generator, film school graduate, movie maker, guitar and drum player, book author, dive bar, boombox founder, and all-around renaissance man, live from his studio in the great state of Texas, and de and delivering the pop culture significance of the number 94. Please, let's welcome Todd. Hi, kids. Hi, everybody out there and watching me on a uh, drive-in screen land. And hey, Jeff, with your Bono glasses on. My Bono. Just I don't I don't have a Bono I don't have a Bono 
I don't have a Bono impression. I was gonna be like, I just believe that the world is all about fruit. We need more fruit, but that doesn't really sound like Bono. It would be even funnier if you came in with like a teamster's kind of voice. Hey, this is Bono, you know? <laughs> yeah, not that. That's that whole not that. Irish thing that's fake. That's nothing but what we put out there, you know? I'm not that guy that's in that band, but my parents were a fan, so they named me Bono. <laughs> Bono. <laughs> Might be a character. I like it. I like it. How you, you doing, you Todd? Me, I'm good. You tell me the reason for the Bono glasses, and I I know is it light off of screens? Is that what it is? Yes, these are. Uh, I can I can hear my father thinking right at this very moment. They are, um, and I don't mind giving them a plug. They're they're a pretty good company. They're called Gunner, and they're not a sponsor or anything. G U N N A R, and you can get them from Best Buy or whatever. I got these. Uh, I got these used um, and uh, basically what they do is they block the blue light out of monitors. I spent a lot of time staring at monitors. So I, I usually get up and do it in the morning after a couple hours to put these on. It just kind of helps your eyes from getting fatigued. And I know the other kind listener out there, I'm still, I'm thinking of chef Jeff thinking mm, first world problems, but um, I thought I'd give them a try and, and they do all right. Now some gamers use them claiming that they help them, play better but um i'm just using them to help uh, protect my 47 year old eyes because you only get one pair as my dad would say he'd say bono <laughs> and since you brought up your dad i want to take two seconds oh, yeah. to you know uh to step in and thank randy for the email that he sent wishing my family and i best wishes of, of our COVID recovery. Thank you. We're all feeling better. hundred percent negative. No more shoving of that thing up my nose to test it. Um, we, we operate under the false sense of security that we have antibodies for now. Um, you know, as you're hearing in some reports, if you've not heard, they're saying they're not certain how long you are immune. So I feel like Superman right now, knowing that I'm not going to get it at least for the next day or two, but Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that email. Uh, I don't always, I'm not the best of checking that email address and I should do a better job, but I, I saw that this morning as your son and I prepped and your kindness towards me is always so touching. So thank you. That was, anyway. that, yeah, that was uncalled. That was, I shouldn't say uncalled for it. That was very nice of him to do that. Uh, you know, the thing is, is I've gotten to meet your father face to face once and he's treated me ever since then. Like he's met me a thousand times, yeah. sending me emails. And, and I know he gets to listen to you and I talk and, and that allows him to step into the head of somebody that you call a friend oh, yeah. you, to, my, to my face. You call <laughs> me a friend. Um, but you know, he's always so incredibly kind to me. So I, I, I was really touched when I saw that email this morning. He is a truly, truly wonderful person, not only because he's my father, but, uh, he is that kind of person that just does stuff that, you know, I'm just like, wow. And then, you know, I just kind of like put my head down. I'm like, wow, that's a real quality person there, you know? And I suck. <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to playing call of duty. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, thank you for bringing that up. Oh, and we we've meandered. This is the hodgepodge. Um, in fact, I should come up with a wheel. We can do. A, we'll do a a wild broadcast where we have a wheel and it'll, it'll present a topic. That's what we do. We do a topic wheel. That's never okay. been done before. But, yeah, but still, it's fun. Yeah, there you go. All right, so if you put topics we don't know anything about. Exactly. That would be fun. And then we have to Google search. Okay, I don't right. know anything about this, but. 
And then Beaker would write us and say, you know, uh, Cold Fusion is actually a very... No, sorry. I'm already, pick, already pick them on, picking on them. Um, all right. So we've... Uh, we've. I'm sure everybody's just waiting, waiting, waiting with bated breath. But you guys have forgotten to tell us the significance of the number 94. All right. All right. Don't yell at us. Here's Todd. 94. Hit us with it. And I have to say, for all those watching us on the drive-in screen, you get to see the behind-the-scenes cues of yeah. me going 94. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really why we started having cameras, was so we could talk to each other and make sure we are going right places. However, number 94, let's all say it together, it's a natural number following 93 and preceding 95. It is also a Smith number and a decimal. And I know you're all asking, what is a Smith number? I love the Smiths. Did you? No. <laughs> as, as a music lover, they were always a band. Oh, I love them. And I was, I'd listen and go, really? <laughs> it, it wasn't my thing. Okay, cool. I mean, if that's what you like, cool. It did never speak to me. Anyway, the Smith number and number theory, uh-oh, we're automatically in number theory, mm-hmm. is a composite number for which in a given number base, the sum of its digits is equal to the sum of the digits in its prime factorization in the given number base. Hmm. Yeah. Every time I get into the whole number breakdown thing, I'm like, oh God. I, I appreciate <laughs> that we have mathematicians in the world, but holy God. It is also the number 94 is the number of Haydn's Surprise Symphony. Oh. For music fans out there. Surprise. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it is the it is the length of an NBA court. 94 feet. And its width is 50, in case you wanted to know. I bet San Antonio Tree knew that. He's always hit me up with basketball trivia. Isn't it great when you have a friend of yours that you've known for many years that hits you up with trivia that you, first of all, would never know, and two, have to fake like how excited you are that they told you it? Like, did you know that the Frisbee is the same size as an otter's brain or whatever? And you're like, First of all, I can't even start to check that. And second of all sure great that's great until you realize that you're that person because i had that moment with my daughter last night she's so into fleetwood mac and the, the song chain comes up and i said hey do you know how that song was written it's actually two songs and she's like yeah and it's about a breakup you told me this before and i was like oh, oh. hey it's not really that one where i was going but okay yeah a teenage child is there's nothing that will destroy you faster than having a teenage child just whatever right Thank God she's asleep or she'd be in here going, Dad. Dad, I didn't do that. Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> so let's jump to the year 1994 and internet pop culture relevancy. This was the year that Netscape Navigator was released and quickly became the market leader for browsing the web. Netscape Navigator is essentially now Firefox, isn't it? I think so, Did yeah. It kind of amalgamated into that. This was also the year that OJ Simpson decided to flee the police in a white Ford Bronco. Oh, boy. And for my pop culture relevancy, we saw that on TV, went to the movie that night, and right when the the uh, lights went down, somebody went, free OJ! And I'll never forget that. That's what I equate <laughs> that to. 1994, the year that Lisa Marie Presley married Michael Jackson. Hello. It's also, sadly, the year that Kurt Cobain committed suicide. Mm. Oh. So, have you, ever, films, have you ever taken much stock in the fact that, and I know there's a couple... Uh, documentaries out there that that say that that thing that whole thing was staged. 
Did you follow any of that? I, I, I get real tired head. I'm not saying that's a conspiracy theory, but alternate theories. I get real tired head over that kind of thought because usually truth follows truth to me. If you begin to look at the facts, this guy had these kind of problems, this and this and this, and that happened. I understand why people need to plug holes. So no, I no, I did not really kind of get into it. I, Hmm. I I know of them, but I'm kind of like, meh, whatever. Yeah. I got you. He's dead one way or another. He's dead. It is what it is. Um, and by the way, after I said Kurt Cobain committed suicide, it felt like you were about to ask, have you ever, and I was like, no, Jeff, I've never committed suicide. <laughs> it's dark, Jeff. Thanks. <laughs> Popular films of 1994. One that is incredibly problematic now goes on to win the best picture that year. Forrest Gump. Why, why is it problematic now? If you go watch it with today's mm. lenses of uh polit- not I, I don't want to just say political correctness because that diminishes the arguments of it social about, awareness uh, social awareness is very good about women's rights uh race uh, rights uh the the aids crisis uh homosexuality etc when you watch it now it's not that it's out of step it's just a little naive um and also you know that's one where we get into that whole thing that i hate the oscars that's that's a great film robert zemeck is a great director but in that same year as pulp fiction and yeah for it to beat that or not just to share the accolades along with it ugh, bugs me okay also that year the lion king the flintstones gee boy that's that's great filmmaking right there clear and present danger speed the mask wait a minute Let's go back to the Flintstones. That had uh, some high-powered caliber actors, and it had what's his face from Ghostbusters, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, and then as Fred Flintstone was the great John Goodman. Yes. So again, me being the film student, and you being the film graduate, how does John Goodman get in that film? Is it just they threw so much money at him? Yeah. Well, I think that it's money. I think that you can go along with a lot of those things and say it's it's just money. Well, I think that also maybe John Goodman loved the Flintstones. And the, the Flintstones was an interesting satirical take on the honeymooners and that kind of thing that uh-huh. had been before. And maybe, you know, maybe he thought, hey, this is an interesting thing. We'll see where this goes. I, I don't know. Films like that just automatically make you think, oh, no, this is a problem. And especially when the guy directing it, pardon me, has <laughs> been involved with a lot of Scooby-Doo films and Police Academy and Charles in Charge. For for me, I, I would look at that and go, eh, unless you've got a really unique take on it, I'm not that interested. Rosie O'Donnell is uh, as Betty Rubble. Okay, um, well, that, that screwed it right there because Betty was always the hottest. And oh. suddenly Rosie O'Donnell as the hot one. No, I, she's a lovely person. I'm sure someone <laughs> thinks she's very beautiful, but no, she's not. She's not Betty. Speaking of socially uh, correct times. No, no, you're, you're completely entitled. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I, if I saw it. However, one last note on the Flintstones. You're trying to get through this. Uh, probably one of the biggest earworms. In fact, I'll give it everybody right now because once you hear flintstones meet the flintstones they're a page right out of history then it's in your head all day it is it's it's a, it's a perfect little theme song it was a great show for what it wanted to be 
and I'm sure there's a good film to be made of it, but it felt like a cash grab. Yeah. And I have seen that one. And what's weird is that I, I, this came up not too long ago and I read something about these cash grabs that studios will make and how it went on to make, you know, uh, Viva Las Vegas or something like that. Flintstones in, in Viva Las Vegas or something. It, that that one was somehow better and didn't use the same cast and it, it had yeah. more originality to it. I, I have no problem with taking properties and bringing them back. If you have something to say, if you go look at the Brady bunch made a film, uh, Oh my God, Betty something. And I can't think of her last name and I'm, I'm not going to waste uh, the listeners time as I look it up. Um, she directed it and, you know, think of how original that one was. How do you take a, fil- uh, a show that is so entrenched in being a part of the 60s and make it relevant today? Somehow this family entrenched in the 60s is living in present day. And that became the comedic output of that film. And that first one works. The Flintstones, all they did was just make live action versions of the cartoon. It was. Well, and, and, and to further your thought process here, I'm, I'm, I'm on IMDb.com. And Brian Levant, who or Levant, who was the director was a producer on a lot of television shows uh, back in the day. But then looking at his, like, producing, he did um, Happy Days, Mork and Mindy, Bad News Bears. You get into his director, he did um, the new Leave it to Beaver, which I was not even aware of, Problem Child 2, Beethoven, Jingle All the Way. I mean, this is just Snow Dogs, The Spy Next Door. This is just, at least the guy's consistent, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's a certain tone of, right. of entertainment. And what better person to direct a real life version of an animated television show than somebody that's been, you know, doing it a while. So it, I'm sure it had good intentions. Well, well, I, I, I still to this day, and I've said this before, I have this, this argument with my father that no one, very few people step in to make a movie with the intent of it being bad. Unless you're just, and the the reason I say very few, there are probably those that go, we're going to make a real cheeky version of this and it's going to be bad, but it's going to be great. Nobody steps in and says, I want to make an awful movie. (laughs) And I'm sure he had a take and he thought this is going to be fun. We've got John Goodman. Who else would you put his Fred Flintstone? But what I at least am trying to to convey across from is, and I looked it up, Betty Thomas directs the Brady Bunch movie. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. But again, even the logline is the original 70s TV family is now placed in the 90s where they're even more square and out of place than ever. The reason we love the Brady Bunch is because it is so, so pigeonholed into a time. You cannot pull it away from that. And she, at least with her writers, uh, Sherwood Shorts uh, helps out write that. You know, he created yeah. them and he helps write it. But he, they at least say, let's make fun of it. Yeah. But by that, show the love for it. And the Flintstones, all it does is do a straight take on it. So... Boy, we got down a rabbit hole. You're, there li- I- you're listening to the other kind of radio, and today's topic is the Flintstones. We're actually going to be twenty, <laughs> the Flintstones, twenty four seven, three sixty five. We're changing our format, folks. No, no. Thank you for the indulgence. Please continue. Uh, that that'd be an interesting show one day, Jeff. To take let's you know do a little research of films that go astray. Sure. Um, there there are a few films that, you know maybe whenever the the Zack Snyder Justice League cut comes out next year mm. where the, the Hollywood system took it away from him in the midst of a tragedy and recut it and made a bad movie. And now they're going to let him recut his film. That might be an interesting topic about films that have been done that way. Cause there are a ton of them writing it down Let's right now. On. Okay. Popular music of that era, Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, some guy with one name sting, never heard of him. 
Shell Crow hits with All I Want to Do, Pearl Jam is Hot, but you begin to see a shift in music of that era when Snoop Doggy Dog is on the charts, mm-hmm. Alice in Chains, Boys to Men, uh, more R&B stuff coming along, and of course, Beastie Boys, which at the time I was unfair to, and I thought, ah, that's just a bunch of white guys aping on, uh, on rap, but then, boy, was I wrong. Anyway. Finally, let's finish with top popular television. Since we kind of touched on TV converted into film, we had Law and Order, The Jerry Springer Show. Oh boy, Impy, Frasier, and The X Files. That's pretty much ninety four in a basket. Very well done. Very well said. Uh, ninety four. Yeah, and I was recently talking to um, Nick. And um, we were talking concerts. And I remember way back in the day, Omaha, MC Hammer came to Omaha and uh, opening for MC Hammer was TLC and Boys to Men. And I basically just went for the first two, TLC and Boys to Men. Hammer was okay. He's on a commercial here recently, and I forget what it is. And and I appreciate that he's kind of laughing at himself <clears throat> yeah. in the pants and the little dance. But Abby was asking me really who that was, and I said, you know, when rap first hit, that was rap. <laughs> that was at least to us in you know the, in the white bread world that hadn't been exposed to people actually creating art on the streets. That yeah. was rap. Yeah. All right, before we move on to headlines, let's go ahead and give Beaker his due credit. Um, he he uh, wrote in, for those kind of listeners may have missed uh, last week's episode, he wrote in with some, some very good points on uh, Hamilton and things that um, uh, he felt, I guess, Todd and I kind of left out of the conversation. And, I, you know, again, I know Beaker. Um, I didn't use his real name, did I? No, I said Beaker. Okay. Uh, and it's not like he would be upset anyway. So Beaker uh, emailed us, wrote some things in, and 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 I know Beaker very well, and and it, we we were kind of giving him a hard time and razzing him, and and uh, I don't you know don't want anybody to feel like we were picking on him. Uh, but he wrote us back, and um, so here here is his uh, response, and I'll try and read this because it's meant in good humor, um, without. Uh, um, getting it out of context so he writes um so now that i feel i challenge todd i can say i'm right just kidding though the email wasn't meant for the purpose uh for that purpose i'm happy that you found laughter in it also a great example of how thoughts don't come through the text which i agree all the time i pointed out those wonderful pieces uh purely because if it wasn't for this show i would have never gone down this path looked up the material or had the vessel to share findings so he's paying us a very big compliment there so thank you beaker um and of course in true beaker style he finishes email with (laughs) so playing off your passion and knowledge um so playing off your passion and knowledge has allowed me to discover todd's rabbit hole and no she never said that a little comedy from 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 Beaker there as well that's pretty funny and and also seizing on the fact that I know that I use the term rabbit hole far too often oh I I will uh I use that as a term whenever I get lost in something my my wife would be the first to tell you that when I want to know something I don't stop until I've just exhausted myself and I I have forever in a day said I'm going down the rabbit hole so (laughs) 
P to him for picking up on that and 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 hearing what I do. We award uh, Beaker. Uh, I don't know, two thousand points. All right. Um, let's move on. You're listening to your podcast. Needle is falling on the other kind radio. I'm Jeff. He's Todd. Today is the Hodgepodge show. We are moving from um, the intro to headlines. Okay. And I've kind of broken this up. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll wait. Sure. No, no. Keep going. Okay. Thank you. I have cleaned up. I did some producing this morning. I took my producer vitamins yesterday and um, actually produced some stuff. So we're going to do headlines from now. We're going to break it down into an actual kind of what you would see in a newspaper for those kids that uh, don't know what a newspaper is. uh, There's this website called Google and you can check it out. So welcome to headlines front page. Um, Rather interesting story here. Um, This coming off of variety. uh, Ellen DeGeneres show workplace under investigation. So I, I saw this. And for some reason, my link's not working. Remove link, copy, edit. How the heck do you just click on the link, Todd? <clears throat> um, I don't know, Jeff. Um, right click on it. Right click on it. Define degenerous. <laughs> <laughs> Open link. So I actually went. Thanks, Google. I went. I went in, and actually like cut and paste like so on our run sheet it it says the headline and then i right clicked on the text and said link and pasted that link in there and it's not working so there we go so much for test testing so anyway this is um uh well this article that's coming up now (laughs) is off of variety did i say variety before you did i did good all right um for those of you who um may have passed out for a short period of time there you have not missed anything welcome back to the show so i'll read just a little bit of this article and i just kind of wanted to get todd's thoughts because i wonder if we're heading down this road right because ellen degeneres i remember when she was just doing stand-up very funny very funny uh very clean she's one of those comedians that uh doesn't rely on on some of the crutches i'll call them crutches um that other comedians do to be funny um then she got this huge show and she's just been known for doing all of these nice things but i've been hearing about this for the last couple months and i'm wondering if it's starting to gain some momentum and or traction uh article states uh, the ellen degeneres show has become the subject of an internal investigation by warner media following numerous accounts of workplace problems on the long-running daytime series variety has learned um I used the wrong inflection there, but I think everybody knows what we're saying. <laughs> Executives from uh, show producer, telepictures, and distributor Warner Brothers Television sent a memo to staffers last week saying they have engaged WBTV owner Warner Media's employee relations group and a third-party form, firm who will interview current and former staffers about their experiences on set, said sources. That is all one sentence. Wow. <laughs> well, no wonder I can't do inflection on it. It's... So it's a third. You know what? Poorly written. You know that reminds me of dummy. It reminds me of when you went katagende hangende kong atama ira hata puka katikitpa mango manga hara kompanto hanto na kawanta. 
There you go. Did I really do that with an Asian X? I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I was just trying to read. You... For some reason, it sounds like I'm making fun of someone, not my intent. It sounds like me when I try and read something. Um, so getting back to the article here, um, the memo comes on the heels of unflattering reports of working conditions uh, at the show. In April, Variety reported on the treatment of legacy crew members during the coronavirus lockdown. In mid-July, BuzzFeed uh, published a report alleging racism and intimidations on the show. The memo came from the desk of Telepicture Executive, blah, 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 blah. Um, so there's there's some, some people that are coming out with reports that are saying the production crew were subjected to poor communication, um, that there were some, I've read where there were some, some standing rules where they're kind of, she was uh, allegedly kind of doing the Prince thing where you can't make eye contact or talk to her if you're on the staff and not, you know, of senior level. Um, two, two, two quick questions for you, Todd. One, um, do you think this is something that happens on all the major shows and now in the light of some of the recent social uh, and I'm just talking about workplace environment stuff. I'm not getting into the political aspect of it. You know, are we hearing about this? Is this is this something different? And is it just because people have phones and can take pictures and record that this is even a story? I think there's some relevancy to that last part that <clears throat> because people can now document instances of whatever they're trying to prove that does feed into it, but. I think I go back to that when I read this, I, I was struck by the irony that half of her shtick within the show is to always tell people to be kind to each other. Yeah. And right. the moment you open, when you say that you do open yourself up to, well, she's not always kind to me. So I wonder if there's some of that, mm. but I also then started thinking a, a truth that I find in life is that we often preach about the things that we struggle with our ourselves. You know, I'm yeah. going to tell you, don't do this, but I do it myself. So I can't help but wonder, maybe she isn't a kind person. And great, if you're not, not everybody has to be kind, you know, if you, if you don't, you want distance. And, and then you start wondering, let's say this thing, like you said, the Prince type thing. Yeah. I, when I saw Prince, I saw, I was lucky enough to get a ticket to see Prince at South by Southwest. And before he went on stage, they did tell us try not to look at him in the eyes. They told us that kind of, it was like, what? I'm here to watch a concert. Screw you. And then it was definitely don't take a picture. If you're t seen taking mm. pictures, you'll be thrown out. Well, you know, and the, the girl in front of me, woman, excuse me, takes a picture and he does like this and you know, but he is at least playful, right? Yeah. 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 So what you wonder is when he's playful, like I, I asked you not to do that. He's having fun with it, but somebody before it told us it was strictly off limits. So the reason I bring that up, maybe Ellen has problems with, looking people in the eye and maybe her handlers have told the crew don't right. look her in the eye and it's not necessarily ellen and it's the people she surround herself with so therefore by default it is her we're going to have to all understand especially in those situations there are a lot of things where you find out over time that there are people in this industry that are just not nice people and they treat the crews with disdain and they're ugly to them but then you hear about you know a person like david letterman who's notoriously great to his entire or was great to his entire mm -hmm. crew mm -hmm. so i just i i think there's a little truth of column a column b if, if that kind of makes sense if i can take that approach to it absolutely and and, and i think this uh you know we in, in in an age where we're so knee-jerk reactionary when we read stuff like this and, and, and in a way I'm, I'm aware kind listener that 
I'm kind of propagating that type of, of reaction by bringing it up on the show. But maybe it's my opportunity also to say, hey, we need more information here. I hope it's not true. Um, but, you know, you made a very good point that's got my mind going, which is when you tell people to be kind and then you find out that maybe it's not the same behind the scenes, that therein lies kind of the rub. Um, so, folks, if you're going to start saying, put the word try in front of it. Try and be kind. And then that way, if you're not kind and they go, hey, you said be kind, you say, well, I was trying. <laughs> yeah, you know, that is a great point, Jeff. Why Be kind is a definitive statement. Right. Come out and be the one that says, look, I'm not always good at it. Right. But I try in every instance to find the kind response. I think if we all would try, we would get better at it. You know, maybe it's a little bit harder to say, and it's not just a quick catchphrase of be kind, but... I, I hate to say it, people are always looking to tear down what they build up to. Yes, right, right. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for you for kind listener. Um, we'll see if there's any uh, truth behind the allegations. Uh, as always, the other kind of radio is, can be your news source. Folks, if you're using us <laughs> as your news source, uh, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, please don't. All right, let's move on to returning the page, right? If I had a sound effect, I'd play it. Returning the entertainment. Ooh, entertainment. This more so for our film fans out there. There wasn't much else going on. And I'm trying to stay away from the Kim Kardashian, the, the West, and are they getting a divorce and, and all that stuff. Because I figure people can get their fill. But here's something I saw, and I just kind of wanted to take a chance to educate a little bit myself and for those kind listeners. Um, the Guardian is reporting Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which is supposed to, was supposed to be the blockbuster film of the season, is now going to be released in August. And I was like, yay! And then it said, but not in the U.S. And I was like, what? Um, I think I know why. I think it has to do with the coronavirus. But I wanted to kind of get Todd's perspective on it, you know, what those decisions are made. Because you know this movie costs a lot of money to make. Wouldn't they? I mean, isn't some money better than no money unless you need more money, honey? I don't know. There's a song in there, but... Um, what are your thoughts? Okay. So a film with a budget, and I just looked it up, of 200 to 225 million. <laughs> um, so, you know, when you get into film, film does film is not a one-to-one -one ratio. If I spend 225 million, I don't need to just make 225 million to make my money. Usually you're, you're going to be looking at advertising costs, um, distribution costs. There are things on top of that. I would imagine that that film just to break even, mm -hmm. just to break even needs to make 500 to $600 million. Right. So that's, it's always the weird thing when we talk blockbusters, blockbusters actually have a lower, um, return on investment ratio than an indie film. That's why when you hear, you know, Halloween comes out and it costs $200,000, but it makes 78 million. Well, they've just made a shit ton of money. Excuse my language. <laughs> but this also has a prestige director of Christopher Nolan. And this is the guy that made Batman. This is the guy that made Dunkirk. He, he makes quality films and Chris Nolan is a cinephile. And what I reason I bring that up is he is a hundred percent behind my films are released in the cinema. He, mm. he would edge with Steven Spielberg in that whole debate of it's not a film unless it's seen in a cinema cinema. And mm. we all know my feelings on that debate. Right. 
Um, because by the way, Mr. Spielberg, I recently watched the 400 blows, one of your favorites by Truffaut and I only saw it on TV. So I guess Truffaut made TV movies. <laughs> There's my argument again. Um, but this film is going to continue to get pushed. And the reason it is getting released in European nations on a, or foreign distribution is really what they call it, uh, on a limited release is because the coronavirus uh, infections have diminished greatly over yeah. there. And so yeah. they're taking the chance on it. And here's what's weird. This week I drove by a local cinema, which is one of those, not a big chain, but it's, you sit down and they serve you meals there, that kind of thing. Oh, and they're they're reopening and showing movies, and I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" I thought that was shut down. Well, then I found out that some of the big ones, such as Cinemark, are now offering that you can pay ninety nine dollars to rent a theater and bring a certain group, a number of friends, mm. and you can you can book private screenings of classic films. So. Hats off to them for finding a way, hopefully, where people are distanced and won't affect each other, but to continue to make money. But even with that, they're not going to release Tenant because, again, that theater is maybe a third full. Right. And they're never going to make their money back on it. Maybe this teaches Hollywood to quit spending so much money on stuff, too. Yeah. <clears throat> Teach them uh, a little... A- Maybe a little more emphasis on being um, efficient. One thing I wanted to point out there real quick, and I don't want to dive too far down the uh, mole hole. Um, You know, I was thinking that part of the reason why movies have come to television is because if movies wanted to make more money. I mean, if they had taken the stance back then that, hey, if you want to watch Lion King, you got to go to the theater to do it. But what happens once it leaves the theater it's on dvd and blu-ray and everything else so they almost created the culture themselves of being you know even with video cassette i want to come home i want to watch a movie it's going to be you know on my television it's kind of a natural progression not leaning one way or the other for the argument but that's how people got comfortable watching movies at home it is and you know i i would go and i don't want to this is a total show that we can get into but i recently watched the hbo film bad education which if you've not seen it <clears throat> with hugh jackman and allison Janney, it's very good yes. very good tells a very interesting story and i don't want to diminish this director's efforts but what i would get into is it shot the way you shoot tv sometimes is different than the way you shoot film you're not going to spend as much time perhaps telling your narrative by just visual elements alone and when i watched that i thought oh this is a tv movie right this this feels like a tv movie so that that whole argument is silly it's stupid it's just visual entertainment can you make your money back quit being snobs your snobbery is your snobbery is destroying cinema in the way that the music industry allowed music to be destroyed for years by napster same thing stop it speaking of destroying things let's move on to the sports section this uh off of axios uh, I don't know if you know, but Dr. Fauci uh, got invited to throw out the first pitch, I think, at the Washington Nationals game this past week. Um, now, I, I did watch the video, and uh, to quote Bull Durham, uh, his pitch was just a bit outside. <laughs> outside. Uh, but kudos to him for doing it, right? I mean, I mean, here's this guy, and, and to throw out a first pitch, I've never been asked to do it. Maybe some point it would, but, you know, I'm sure I would. I mean, that, with all those people looking at me, I would forget the ball or I'd grab the wrong ball and throw a football or forget to put pants on or something. There'd be some some way that I could screw it up. Um, however, I I was, you know, we all need uh, we all need some good stories, uh, stories, stories in this time. 
and uh, I was pleased to see uh, Axios uh, Pi, um, publish just a little a little a little story here uh, that uh, I'm trying to see tops uh, trading cards. Sorry, uh, announced Monday that th they broke a record um, sales record for baseball cards. And you said the number had increased. I've got this article says 50,000 limited edition trading cards of Fauci throwing out the first pitch. That has increased, I think you said, to 51,000. Good for him. Way to go. And 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 thank you, Tops, for some good news that, you know, in, in this uh, time that just seems to be a whirlwind of ambiguity. Amen to that. Get out there. Throwing that first pitch is a lot to me like singing the national anthem. No. Uh, yeah, you get out there and suddenly you're on a stage that maybe you're not prepared for and you hear people or people just talking in a sports arena and they aren't prepared for the echo back. And it's like, hello, hello. And you, you start talking slow because your brain yep. can't equate to that. Get off everyone's back. Um, I know we've politicized this poor man. This poor man is actually trying to do good for us. I want most of us to get out and throw that pitch. Yeah. And I, I consider myself somewhat athletic, athletic enough that I hope I would be within the <laughs> ballpark. But I also know you get on that mound, you, you go through your head what you're doing and suddenly, oh, crap. You know, right. he can't we all just have fun? Can't I, we you know, not to quote Rodney King, but can't we all just get along? Get too? along. I, uh, and I've got a little bit of uh, some bonus material or Todd doesn't even know if I had this. I was asked um, many, many years ago to sing the national anthem and i actually have that audio um it's a little embarrassing but you know hey we're all friends here uh so this is me i've been asked to sing the uh and i think it was at like a uh, t-ball uh tournament or something like that but here we go this is the uh audio we have flintstones meet the flintstones didn't even sing the right song all right <laughs> I like that. That was that was fun. I was really expecting me to be reading that Kumongo name of a location. Oh. <laughs> I was you're going, okay, he's going to put some echo yeah. on it, and it's going to be me sing, saying that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right, uh, moving on from sports. I don't know what we'll call this, but right now it is kind of a WTF uh, or what the f uh, uh, off of Cinema Blend, and the links are working now, just to update the kind listener. Um Elon Musk challenges Johnny Depp to a cage fight. Now, I know, again, earlier I was saying I wasn't getting into too much of the uh, of the uh, entertainment gossip uh, area, but I, I just, I started to read this, and this thing is just getting so wheels off. Johnny Depp and, and Amber Heard are going through court battle for divorce and all kinds of stuff. You take every soap opera ever made, and you mush them together, and this is this is going, but there's just a couple things. So I there were a couple things here that that, that <laughs> caught my eye that um, thought it was worth mentioning. So, um, so Johnny Depp is alleging that Elon Musk had uh, an affair while she was married to Johnny Depp with Elon Musk. So there's our first red flag. Uh, also had a threesome with Heard and uh, the suicide actress Kara uh, Delamingi inside Depp's own home. So I mean, it's not just having an affair; uh, it's a little more, a little more um, 
I don't know, sultry, I guess, uh, than that. And then Elon Musk come back, says, I definitely was not having an affair with Amber. This is, quote, she was married to Johnny. Uh, this is totally false. We did not have a threesome, you know. Uh, so I think people think these things are generally more salacious than they are. Um, then they kind of go back and forth and, and Elon Musk's, um, uh, you know, kind of explaining other things. And then, uh, he says, if Johnny, which I'm, I'm pretty sure Johnny, he's not saying that with the kindest of heart. If Johnny wants a cage fight, just let me know. Um, this is what we're, <laughs> this is what we're living in right now. And we got a pandemic record numbers of unemployment and all this other stuff. And Elon Musk, with everything he has going on, invites Johnny Depp to a cage fight. Hmm. So this will be the point when my wife or my daughter are both to go, you know, your man, Elon is just nuts. And the reason I say your man, Elon, I drive an electric, uh, mostly electric car. It has a gas engine, but it's electric. And I, I say, I, I'm giving him props because I, I truly appreciate all he's done to help get that out in the world because I, I I believe that 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 we need to go that way. I invest in that, blah, 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 blah. But every time the man speaks, I'm like, I don't care how much good he does. He's an idiot. Because why can't he ever just shut up? When somebody puts a mic in his face, why can't he go, hey, do you, I don't really need to say anything. That's their garbage. I'm not involved in this. Right. You know, and also, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, could you not have kept this crap out of the press could you not have asked for you know a private hearing why does this have to be oh i am so sick of this i'm so sick of kanye west and all his craziness and you know great great relevant artist nutbag i'm sick <laughs> of all this stuff i wish that the internet and all the disseminated news that goes into this and the algorithms that bring it into my feeds i wish there was a button that said i don't care yeah and it would learn i don't care because i'm sick of this I'm sick of hearing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Ugh. And it's tough. I mean, you're in this age, we're constantly scanning headlines just for any kind of information that we can glean and, and use to, you know, either further inform ourselves and or prepare ourselves or whatever may be coming down the pipe. And I'm right there with you. Anytime I see a couple of those names, I just beat by it. But hey, uh, we'll see if this Elon Musk and Johnny Depp cage fight happens. Uh, I'm going to say that Elon Musk changes the chemical structure of the wrestling mat, which immediately swallows Johnny Depp and therefore he wins. So my money's on Elon. Um, real quick here. We've got a couple of obituaries to go through. I was trying to think of some clever ways to say they passed on, but, uh, we'll just, we'll stick with the, the basics here. Um, the first of was of course, um, uh, Regis Philbin, I think he was 88 when he passed. Um, I mean, he was he was a television icon. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, you know, Regis and Kathleen Lee in the morning. He's touched uh, the hearts of of millions of Americans. From what I understand, you know, stand up guy, nice guy. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's really weird to kind of be in this the social environment of everything going on. I mean, my, you know, condolences to his friends and family, but he, it's almost like I've conditioned myself now. I'm like 88, rich, famous, nice guy, you know, hats off and, and, and good luck. Try to be kind. 
I, I don't know that I'm as indifferent as you are. I, I I was touched by it. You know, good man, good good broadcaster. I'm always I'm always uh, I'm I'm always hooked into the people like he and I think Ryan Seacrest is the same kind of person. That person that can come on when a camera's on and can drive a show. Yeah. So, but at the you know. It, it, when I hear this in our next one, what I, what, what struck me more was, well, thank God in this day and age, it's not another person dying at 50. It's right, right. someone that got a beyond a full life. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, safe travels, Regis, uh, we move on to, and I'm going to let you say her name cause I will mess it up and I don't want to, cause this one's kind of a big deal. 104 years old, Oscar winning actress, Olivia de Havilland. See, so hard to say. Uh, also uh, passed, and and Todd's got the history. So rather than me fumbling through reading the uh, the article here, tell us about her significance. Well, first off, Olivia de Havilland lives to be 104. So that is the one thing we're like, holy crap! Now that's life. Um, she is famous from being in Gone with the Wind. That's probably the one touch point. But she had so many credits that are yeah huge you know the adventures of robin hood where she played maid mary and she she was in a ton of films it's famous of being joan fontaine's sister and they had a lifelong rivalry i really don't know all the garbage behind that uh i could turn to my wife who was a gone with the wind fan another film that's now problematic but you know she she would tell you all the things about it the the thing is is that she is someone of hollywood's golden age that has somehow been able to live a life that exceeds the expectancy of many of us. Um, sad to hear it, but uh, her last film that she made was 1988. So you can see that she's been gone for a while, but uh, gone for a while from the the silver screen. But again, a classic actress. And if go watch Gone with the Wind, and when you see her, you'll, you'll understand what I mean by classic actress. It's not like watching Meryl Streep where she's a part of the role. She's acting. So great actress, interesting woman, great life there you go safe travels and thank you for everything so that's the obituary section we'll move out of the uh, headlines you are listening to the other kind radio on jeff and that gentleman right there with a good voice is todd well, this is the hodgepodge edition i just looked up hodgepodge on the internet and uh, i love it a confused mixture it's almost like i want to jump in the av time machine and call us the other kind of hodgepodge uh as that often does describe how, <laughs> how this show flows. All right. Um, so we're going to move on to, um, well, I think we should just do, since it's hodgepodge and we're, we're on the, uh, we'll do these real quick and then we'll get out of here because we're, uh, we're pushing 55 minutes right now. So let's move on to, let's get that projector out. Let's go ahead and fire it up. Let's get Todd going. Todd, uh, that projector means it's time for Todd's take on. Todd, what's your take on this week? And because we are trying to be economical of time, I just want to say that this series I'm about to touch on is one of those rarities where you think you're going to get one thing, but you get so much more. And I, the reason I bring that up is that if you go to IMDb, IMDb right now actually has the rating, and this is a thousand people have rated it as a 6.9 out of 10. Oh my gosh. And that's, I'm going to, I want to touch on that and explain why they're wrong. Yeah. The reviews are, and the, uh, l- let me go ahead and say what this is. This is I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which not only tells the the, the, the story of 
a gripping examination of the unsolved crimes of the Golden State Killer who terrorized California between the 70s and the 80s. It isn't just about that. It is truly about the book written by Michelle McNamara, mm-hmm. who is the, was the wife of Patton Oswalt, who died in her sleep. And you find out this is this this miniseries is about the obsession and the depth of which this woman went to to tell the story of an unsolved crime that even she she goes on to die at the age of 47 and mm. she dies in her sleep and you find out that it's you know they're part of the cause is what she did to sustain herself and i don't want to completely give it all away to, to sustain herself while she did the research yeah. and then we we all know if we go and look along that they recently captured the golden state killer and her work led to that this is a beautiful examination of a creative not only creative process but obsessive process that this woman died for this is an outstanding documentary it's a heartbreaking documentary i i tell my wife in the episode where we find out that the, that she died i could barely I, I could barely watch it more so than the times when they've told the horrific accounts of what this god awful person did to right. people the heartbreak that goes into her passing touches all the people in this it is such a real truthful documentary and then i went and read some of the reviews of the books and it compared it to Truman Capote's In Cold Blood, which if you've never read In Cold Blood, it's considered to be one of the greatest true crime novels ever written in which he told about some murders that happened. I, and I don't have it in front of me. I want to say like in Nebraska, somewhere along there, Ohio, something. And Truman Capote got to know the men that did it. And the reviews of In Cold Blood at the time were he puts too much of himself in this. He's not a passive observer. Well, that was the point. Mm-hmm. He was telling the truth and the heartache and the things that felt it. And you felt it real. And that's what I'm hearing that her book is the same thing, that it is a landmark of true crime storytelling. Please watch this show. Please go to IMDb and rate it i don't ask that often but the <laughs> morons out there that are rating this as a two or a three because it's too much about the the writer it's not about the killer well hang on i want to them i want to say that even in the poster it says after a decade of terror the golden state killer vanished one woman refused to let him disappear that is the story yeah. quit reviewing it for what you want it to be and review it for what it is it is outstanding very well put. I have two things to add. One, you are absolutely right. This is not your um, cookie cutter of a documentary about a serial killer. Um, I've listened to the podcast, and and for those of you that listen to Small Town Dicks, which uh, is a funny name, kind of blue, but uh, is basically hosted by um, the woman that does the voice for Lisa Simpson, and they do true crime. Um, they cover and have a, a three or four part series on the Golden State Killer. So I've listened to that. I've watched a lot on it. And this is one of my favorite documentaries for the very reason that, and you hit the nail on the head, if she did not have the obsession, the commitment and the time, even with the family and, and Pat and Oswalt and everything to take the time to investigate this, then the, it's very, it's very easy to say that the crime may have not been solved. Secondly, um, what was my second thought? Maybe I did my first and two first and second thoughts, but but either way, the main point being, for those that are just looking for in a town on September, da, 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 this happened. You got to look past that. You got to look at what she did and the people she worked with. She has she has detectives, seasoned detectives with 30, 30, 40 years worth of experience 
just you know gushing about how well and how skilled she is as an investigator it's worth seeing i'll go rate it on imdb as well because it's it deserves a little more recognition than it's getting my camera's got I, it go ahead no i think that you made me think of one last point and, sure. I, and i don't want i know we want to talk about some other things but <laughs> when we talk about the difference between television and film what they've done here to find a depth beyond the obvious is more of a filmmaking technique. You're trying to say something. You have a story that's multi-leveled. I'm not saying that television can't do that, but if what you're wanting is a forensic files version of the golden state killer, you're going to need to look elsewhere. That's not what this even purports to be. I am so sick of people saying, well, it wasn't this. Well, maybe, maybe you're not willing to look at what it is and judge it for that. Yeah. This is an outstanding piece of work. It is so compelling. I, I, I've already thought that when this is over and after I've let it digest for a bit, I may have to go back and watch it again because it's so well done. That is, um, I'll be gone in the dark currently on HBO and HBO max checking out, um, very well done documentary. We'll take that projector. We'll put it back on the shelf. Thank you, Todd, for the uh, for Todd's take on. We'll jump into Jeff's judgment on mine again. Will be real quick. This past week was the Xbox release event. Um, just a couple things worth noting. First of all, big kudos to Xbox. Um, this again is another situation where normally they would have it. This is what they would have done at E3 with a huge stage and millions of dollars spent, and then some cat that you don't know walks out and says, "I'm such and such, such and such media director, VP for Microsoft." And thank you for everybody being here. And then they talk or what would seem five or six minutes way too long. And then they would show a game trailer. And I'm, I'm glad that Xbox is and It's probably mostly due to the pandemic, but I think they're also listening to fans. Look, as a video gamer of 42 years, show me the stuff. If you're going to give us some interview, just short, concise. And that's exactly what they did. So lots of trailers. And, uh, you know, everything I wanted to know about the upcoming lineup for the new Xbox uh, Series X and and the Xbox line. Uh, As far as my second point is, is the second uh, thing I noticed is the technology looks great. It's getting close. And I know for a long time, PC gamers have given console gamers a very hard time. Folks, we're getting close. It's looking pretty good. And they're going to build something that one advantage is... Most of the time when those games hit a console, you can plug and play. Now, there is a bit of a download for updates and stuff, but they're pretty reliable. It's usually the PC version of a game that has the craziness, some code that goes awry, and some game features that may or may not work. So without getting into a huge uh, discussion about that, uh, we're getting close. We're going to be able to just spend 500 bucks buy buy a console and be taken care of as far as not having to worry about maintaining an OS, virus, and all that other stuff. Uh, plus, it's, I'll just tell you, it's sexy as hell. I love what they've done. Um, and then I've got a top three list of games. Uh, they ran through probably 20 or 30. Uh, obviously, Halo Infinite uh, is my number one pick. Uh, people are complaining that it looks too much like Halo. It's kind of a weird argument. Halo's Halo. It's always will be Halo, but I'm excited to see the next chapter uh, in the Halo, Halo series. Um for those of you who like uh, role-playing and kind of Dungeons & Dragons stuff, uh, Avowed looks really, really, really good. And my third... What was my third one? <laughs> I got two checkboxes here. 
but not a third one. Maybe I got distracted when I was producing um, the show. State of Decay can take that. There's a couple other that are out there, but I highly recommend The Kind Listener, rather than taking it from me, go out, do a search, uh, see what games are announced, because they are starting to hit their stride as far as some cool things that Xbox is going to do with their next console. All right. Unless Todd's got anything, we're going to jump off of Judge Judgment. And rather than saying we're headed to center, center stage, right? Uh, we've been on a lot of the rides in the amusement park. Oh, there's one last one. Let's take a close look at it. We just want to give you an update. And I've got a little sound file to play for you on a show that we talked about about a month ago. And has really taken off. So it was already good at the Appetit. But now we're on to the main course, and it's just blowing me away. Folks, this is... Um, Perry Mason on HBO. Kata. Nope, that's not it. Mr. Mason, certain matters require discretion and finesse. That's the kind of thing you're good at. Wear your good suit. This is my good suit. You're a detective, Mr. Mason. It's a fancy word for a busybody, but yes. It's very easy for you to break the rules, isn't it? And you never accept any help. I'm not I have a look. You stay in the truck. Shut up. How can we help you, Mr. Beggarly? Members of my church. An unspeakable act has visited upon them. Kidnapping gone way wrong. Worst thing you ever seen. What do you know what I've seen? We do what we don't like when there's a greater good to be served. You more than anyone should know that. So that's one of the the trailers off of IMDb. We're talking about Perry Mason and not to just be uh, echoing what we said about a month ago, but a lot has happened. And as I said in the beginning, what was already very good, six episodes in, has gotten much better. Perry Mason, if you got six bucks in your pocket, ten bucks in your pocket, get it. It's worth it. Todd? <laughs> I this is another one. This is going to sound like Todd's rant day, but this is another one that on <laughs> IMDb has gotten bashed by a lot of people reviewing it because this takes some license uh, on the original novels uh, of is that Earl Earl Stanley Gardner? And I'm sorry, I've never read the novels, but they were pulp fiction novels. You know, they're meant to be salacious. They're meant to be digested in a certain way. They are not meant to be esteemed ideas of courtroom drama, but they became the, the Raymond Burr show yep. of which he was very noble. A lot of people have taken exception that they have changed the era of which the story occurs, that they have made it, made it into a film noir vibe that effectively it gives uh, Perry Mason a backstory that they don't like. This is where I want to, to say something to people again. If you want to see the Perry Mason that you love with Raymond Burr, by God, I'm yeah. sure it's out there somewhere. If you want to read these books, read them. Stop coming in and telling me <laughs> that what they've created is bad because it wasn't in the novels. I, I'm, I will take any one of you, and this is I'm pulling my Elon Musk cage fight right now, to people <laughs> reviewing online. If this is what you want to do, I will go through film history and go, oh, you like that movie and that's based on a book? Did you know that whole section right here didn't happen? Or did you know there was a whole section right here that was this? Forrest Gump, did you know he's a blatant racist in the book, but they removed it so they would clean it up? This is time-told situations of taking content 
and adapting. It is an adaptation. Adaptation means to take it and adapt it for a different medium or situation. This is an outstanding series. The people who created it are, are behind, were behind weeds and Friday Night Lights. These are people with a great pedigree, and they have done something here that is exceptional. I, I am I was thrilled recently when events happened for Perry where his character had to evolve and change. I was like, there, yes, that's it. It's like, let the storytellers tell the story. Right. I'll, I'll echo your sentiment. Uh, first of all, if you have thoughts or comments, please send them to info at the other kind radio.com info at the other kind radio.com. Or you can give us a call, 214-843-1149. 214-843-1149. Operators are standing by. So this, is, this to me, is an, an example of where, where ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. I knew of the television show, but I didn't watch a lot of it. It was a good show. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the books. And, and in a lot of situations, I go in with my idiot, you know, less experienced brain, and I just know what I like. And from the get-go, I like this. And so not research, researching it or, or knowing what to compare it to. I just looked at it as a story. Hey, tell me a story. What's going on? There are so many things right with this show, from the acting to the directing to the cinematography, the music, the pacing. It's a whole. It's a well-wrapped burrito. I'm hungry. Um, and... I mean, I get, I get people want to have opinion. That's what we do on this show. We give our opinions about, you know, all kinds of stuff, but I do think this, this deserves a bit of a blank slate and keep in mind. And it even says on the IMDB page that this is a kind of like dark Knight. It's a darker version of Perry Mason, meaning it's going to have some gringe and grudge in there, but the characters are so, so likable. And even the bad characters are so bad and, and especially after watching the last episode, I mean, things are things are coming to a head. And not to call Mr. Nick out uh, from uh, owner of Pub One Three Four, our sponsor, um, he re- I remember very specifically talking to him after the first episode, and he was like, "How are they going to keep this pace?" Well, brother, they're doing it, and they're doing a great job because I, I each episode I relish, like you know like a filet mignon i want to sit down pay full attention and and watch everything that's going on because every time i see this show uh my quality of life improves a bit i know that sounds pretty pretty out there but it really does it 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 gives me 45 minutes to an hour where all i'm focused on is this storytelling takes everything else out with everything else going on definitely worth a look and uh, like I said, I think Todd hit the spot. People just need to kind of open their eyes a little wider, take an eraser, hit that chalkboard, and uh, kind of watch it for what it is. It, it, I I think you really surmise that well. I, I you know I I do think I need to be fair and say to people, yes, you can have an adaptation where they take something or extract something, and you're wrong. Right. Um. The, the good lord, there have been tons of films that. Uh, were supposed to be adapted and and they don't pick the right notes because you can't put an entire novel or series of novels on the screen. You have to pick the things that are completely relevant to tell the story as it needs to be told and you can make wrong choices. But I think by doing this, they've given Perry a reason 
for wanting to be the defense attorney that we know he he will become. Yeah, he, he's a person that feels downtrodden, beaten down. We now know that he why he's there, mm-hmm. and I think that if you just want to make another Raymond Burr show, sure you can make another one of those. But in this day of seeing one too many CSI shows. This is such a breath of fresh air when you've got performances. Matthew Reese is Perry Mason. Juliet Rylance is Della Street. Juliet Rylance was in the wonderful Steven Soderbergh uh, series, The Nick. I love her. Tatiana Maslany, who's already won an Emmy for her work in Orphan Black. She's outstanding. I mean, you can go down this list. These people even went to the depths that John Lithgow mm-hmm. plays an attorney, and we eventually meet his son. And who plays his son? but John Lithgow's son. And you can tell it the moment he speaks because you're like, uh, that sounds like John Lithgow. And Mm -hmm. it was just, and his son is an actor, by the way, I didn't realize that until that moment, but they're, they're making sure that they check the boxes to keep it as quality as possible. This is such a great show. This belongs in the great discussions of what, of transitioning film noir into television it's it it is top notch i was so pleased to hear recently that they get gave it a second season so kudos to hbo great work great show so there you go touch base on, on what we did about a month ago perry mason hbo max love it uh we'll turn it over for final thoughts todd uh i know we've it's been a hodgepodge show we've jumped all over anything you want to add on before we close things out um so we should all try to be kind try to be kind that's that's exactly it no longer are we just going to say be kind to each other try we when, even when you fail you're still trying, still and trying. You're to be better just like i try and produce this show <laughs> um do that, we, that was a, a dig at me going on too long by the way in case any of you didn't know no 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 not at all oh you mean on yourself or on no what i'm confused um no. <laughs> so i do want to give a preview next week is our big week. It's the 90, 96th episode. Sereda, S-E-R-E-D-A, will be joining us live in the studio via Zoom. Um, we're going to talk music. We're going we're to talk about what it's like to be an independent artist, write, produce, record your own music. Um, and then we'll talk some pop culture and stuff. Very excited about it. Um, we're still getting the final details knocked out. It'll be updated either on Monday or Tuesday of next week. Um, I'm really excited, and I encourage, uh, if I were to give a homework assignment to our kind listeners, just do a Google S-E-R-D-A, S-E-R-E-D-A, S-E-R-E-D-A and uh, check out uh her music and uh, she also streams live on twitch i encourage you to check that out and join us as i think this will be our like i said our first big guest on the show what will hopefully continue to grow and i'm uh interested in in seeing how this episode goes todd I, i'm sensing you have something to add no no oh. I, I i'm just excited jeff did a great job of tracking this down and, and getting uh her to join us this is going to be a lot of fun yeah and and i can't wait for it i i'm digging into her music and she's a very talented young woman i hope that all of you will enjoy listening to it too uh yes it was uh, and we'll talk about a little bit of the process of reaching out and asking somebody to be on a podcast that is still uh growing and and uh you know trying to get its uh its feet in the ground so on that note thank you for joining us thank you todd for your time do you want to remind first time listeners um you are congratulated on finding us uh the other kind radio amongst the plethora of podcasts that are out there Todd and I are glad you're here. 
Um, again, we'd like to uh, reiterate the ways to contact us. If there's subject matter that you'd like to talk about, talk about any opinions you have on anything that we talked about, info at theotherkindradio.com, I-N-F-O at theotherkindradio.com, or give us a call. Operators are standing by, 214-843-1149. So with that being said, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week with our special guest. Tune in next week and see if you hear Todd say. Uh, job tough and i just realized it looks like i don't have our final outro music so uh, we'll just (laughs) we'll end it on that folks thanks for joining us have a good week try to be kind and remember we are the other kind of radio